Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler Podcast, a weekly travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. This week, it's all about the province of Prince Edward Island. I spent most of last week in PEI and got the chance to tour some of the smaller communities near Charlottetown, such as Summerside, North Rustico, and Victoria, as well as the North Cape area, Skinner's Pond, and West Cape. We ate lots of seafood, drank some local craft beer, took in a couple of fall flavor events, and met a lot of very nice people. We also spent a night at the West Point Lighthouse Inn, a place rumored to be haunted, so we'll share that story with you in about 10 minutes. Plus, later on, we'll also play a couple of conversations we had. One was with Ocel Dauphiné Matheson. He's the Visitor Experience Manager for the Port La Joie Fort Amherst National Historic Site. It's one of the oldest settlements in Canada. Uh, the other stop was at the Stompin' Tom Centre, a pretty fascinating place that tells the story and life of Stompin' Tom Connors. But I want to start our podcast this week sharing one of the first stops on our tour of PEI, and that was out to a place called Georgetown. It's about a 40-minute drive east of Charlottetown, and that's where we boarded a small boat from Tranquility Cove Adventures and did a little fishing learned all about the mussel trade and crab and lobster fishing. And the tour was led by Captain Perry Gattel, and I got a chance to sit down with him and chat and learn more about the area of Georgetown and Tranquility Cove Adventures. And here's how that sounded. Uh, we're on board the Tranquility. Am I am I correct with that, Perry? Yes, Tranquility. Okay, I'm going to call you Captain uh, Perry because that's what it says in your T-shirt. And you are the owner, operator, captain, uh, chief bottle washer, everything you want to talk about with uh, Tranquility Cove Adventures. Give me some background on yourself and Tranquility Cove Adventures. Sure. Uh, I'm a lobster fisherman uh, by trade. That's what I did all my life. My father, my grandfather. Um, we started the company 10 years ago, just looking for some extra revenue, kind of getting bored in the summertime. And we started an outdoor adventure company, taking people to an island out off the coast, digging giant bar clams. This is something that I'd done as a kid with my parents and my grandparents. Yeah. So we just uh, took what we've been doing all our lives, started offering it out to the rest of the world, and man, it's just a runaway train. It's a hit. <laughs> and here you are. Yeah. You're very humble. Uh, you were explaining before some of your, the history of your family. It goes back generations. Yes, there's an island off the coast here, uh, Botten Island. The locals call it Boaten. And uh, my grandfather was raised there, my father was born and raised there. And I was there for the first three years of my life, just as a seasonal um, inhabitants fishing out there. We went to our cottage and we fished. So there's quite a bit of history I know about that little island. So give me some background around this area. We're in Georgetown, right? So where is Georgetown in relation to Charlottetown, in relation to PEI? Give us a geographical lesson here. Yeah, Georgetown's at the southeastern part of uh, Prince Edward Island. Uh, about a half an hour off the ferry boat ride from Nova Scotia, 45 minutes east of Charlottetown on, on the highway, and it's just a beautiful sheltered cove, uh, natural harbor. It, it's just a, a beautiful place to live. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's talk about some of the tours with Tranquility Cove Adventures. Um, what's the most popular one? Uh, the most popular is the clam dig. If you don't book that two to three months out, you're not getting on the boat. Uh, we never have an empty seat. Um, most of our press, uh, we're in the Canadian Signature Collection because of the giant pair of clam dig. Uh -huh. So that's our number one by far. So what's involved with the clam dig? What, uh, what kind of adventure would I be doing? 
It's a four-hour outing, so it's 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 just a little bit more than what people are used to. Uh, four hours, uh, you're on the water most of the time. Uh, we take the large 45-foot boat out to the island, which is five, eight kilometers out. Um, we get you, we don you in wetsuits, masks, water socks, clamming rakes, and we give you a crash course on how to dig these giant pound to two-pound clams. Uh, get you right in the water. Uh, we don't dig them for you. It's up to you to dig them. Once we get enough clams, we hit the beach. We have a beach cookout. Uh, you get to go looking, of course, for your driftwood or message and bottle, whatever you want. <laughs> we did find a couple over the years, uh, whale bones, whatever. And we cook them all up on the beach, and we also shuck them raw for you on the beach. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's quite a bit else. We haul a lobster trap, a uh -huh. rock crab trap, and a mussel sock. Just to give you an educational overview, uh -huh. uh, go see the seals if they're out. And we sw swing by Pamir Island Lighthouse, which is the oldest wooden lighthouse on PEI, just for a nice photo shoot with the family with the lighthouse in the background. Now, is it weather dependent? Rain or shine, you're going? Uh, rain or shine, we go. Uh, thunder and lightning storms, of course, we do yeah. stop because yeah. it's not a bright move to get in the water in a lightning storm. <laughs> uh, but uh, we don't, we never miss any days. Uh, we're very sheltered down here. I tell people all the time, and it's true, we have the calmest waters on PEI. Yeah, well, that's what it says on your uh, pamphlet here. Okay, so that's uh, that's one of uh, the tours. So let's talk about some of the other ones. Uh, I, I'm looking at your pamphlet here. Uh, starfish hunting, pearl hunting, what's that about? Uh, this is a, a beach walk. You're not on the boat. Okay. Um, we were the first in the world to start this all. So everything we started, we're, we're pretty well the first in the world to start. And once again, it's things that we've done as children. Uh -huh. And we take people out looking for wild starfish. Um, we have a lot of dry starfish on inventory. So when they come back, we trade off the, the live ones. We put them in drying racks. And uh, they get to take home some dry starfish. We also threw in... Um, a, a pearl hunt, which is you look for wild, large wild mussels on the beaches, get to break them open when you get back, and usually we do find pearls. Now, really? nothing big enough for a ring yet, but it will come. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so now, yeah, you have you have onshore uh, tours, you have boat tours, obviously, and also uh, walking tours of Georgetown, right? Yeah, we started this about four years ago. Just by I don't know how it's happened actually. Uh, people contacted us because most people know we can get the job done. If you have an idea, we can make it happen. So we started doing uh, motor coach bus tours, walking around this small community of Georgetown. 550 people here in this little town, and we'll haul anywhere from 25 to 35 buses in here a year to do an amazing walk of the town, taste of mussels. We do lobster demos, mussel demos, and then we finish up. Uh, we partner with a lot of people in the town, the Playhouse, of course, Maroon Pig, other people that make this event so special. Mm -hmm. Is but you know we partner with other people. Yeah. Well, on this tour that you're uh, taking us uh, aboard the Tranquility here, we did some fishing for mackerel, and you were showing some other things. Is that part of a tour, or is that just uh, specific things you were showing us? No, uh, this is a daily event that we do right from the first of June till October sixth. Uh -huh. uh, we start before anybody else, and we go longer. And we have a two-hour deep-sea fishing where we take you out mackerel fishing. We barbecue the fish right aboard the boat, fillet them, bone them. And we also do them up ceviche style. So we, we will uh, skin them, bone them, and cube them. And then we'll uh, cook them up in uh, lemon acids, yeah. uh, salt, and we'll have them raw with a little bit of soya. Nice. It's amazing. Fresh, yeah. fresh, fresh. As fresh as you can be. Now, you also have adventure equipment rentals, so if people just want to go on their own, they can do that too? Yeah, we have bicycle rentals, kayak rentals, uh, we have fishing rod rentals, clam digging gear. So we try to look after the people that want to go on their own and they don't want to come with a group, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, am I missing any tours here? Yeah, the, the deep sea fishing, the pearl hunting, the 
clam, anything I'm missing? Uh, the only thing that we do a lot of is we do private charters. So okay. if you come with your family or a group, uh, I can tell you what we can do and then you tell me what you would like to do and then we make it happen special for you with a yeah. private charter. So yeah. there's nobody else but just your group on the boat. Nice. And and the season starts in June and runs till about October for all the tours or some just some? Uh, most of them. The fishing is the, the full duration of the time. Uh, the clamming is just July and August because we need that warmer water. Yeah. You, we're in the water for 45 minutes so you, you just can't get in the cold water. <laughs> yeah. And we do wear wetsuits but it still gets cold the yeah. first of June. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything I'm missing that you'd like to add that uh, that st makes you stand out? Uh, not necessarily me standing out. It's 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 a it's it's my crew. It's yeah. the people that I have hired. Yeah. Uh, they're all very special. They're well uh, educated when it comes to uh, things to do with it with, on the water, and the town itself, the small town here of Georgetown, is just an amazing place to visit because. I, I like to say we're not plastic yet. It's still real down here. The yeah. people that you meet are not fake. Yeah. It's a very small community, and we're 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 all good friends in this community. What's uh, down the road next year? Uh, you said you have to book in advance, quite a bit in advance for these tours, right? So how do people yeah. do that? Obviously, you have a website, uh, tcapiei.com. Yes, everything is booked online. You just go right to my website. Uh, you can. We'll be putting up the schedule uh, January one, okay. so you can start booking then. The climbing trips. I tell people all the time: if you're not in lately by May, you're not going to get in. So uh, booking ahead is wise. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for doing this again. It's uh, Captain Perry Hotel, and uh, the website again is T C A P E I. Dot com or T-C-A-P-E-I. <laughs> Thanks for your time, it was great. Oh, I enjoyed it, thank you very much. Well, as I mentioned last week, I got the chance to tour the province of Prince Edward Island and no tour of PEI would be complete without a visit to one of the many lighthouses on the island. And it's even better when one of those lighthouses is attached to an inn and museum, such is the case of the West Point Lighthouse Inn and Museum. It's located right along the beach in the west part of the island at West Cape, a beautiful spot known for its sunsets and a place rumored to be haunted. So I spent one of our nights there, and while I was there, got a chance to speak with Scott Smith. He's the general manager of the West Point Lighthouse Inn and Museum, and here's how that went. We're sitting in the beautiful, I'm going to call it the lobby. Is this the lobby of the West Point? This is the lobby of the hotel, yeah, the inn. Excellent. So now give me a bit of a history background. First of all, let's talk about the lighthouse itself, then we'll talk about the inn, then we'll talk about there's a museum here, and it's absolutely the view is absolutely gorgeous. But let's uh, start with the lighthouse itself. Give me a history rundown of that. For sure. The West Point Lighthouse was built in 1875. It's only ever had two lighthouse keepers. The first lighthouse keeper was William Anderson MacDonald. He was our keeper for 50 years and never missed a day. And the second keeper was Benny McIsaac. And he ran the light until from 1925 until 1963 when it was automated. And so for all those years, all we ever had was two keepers, and then it became automated and abandoned for 20 years. Oh my gosh. So when you say he, he worked here for 50 years, 
never missed a day. What would he do? What was the what was the job of a lighthouse keeper? The job of a lighthouse keeper is much different than the job I have here now. That's for sure. Uh, getting up to check the light three or four times a night, uh, every few hours, every three to four hours. He had to make sure that it was always running, that the lens was clean, that the room was clean. You know, he had inspectors come, make sure that it was right on rotation, the six-second flash, six-second eclipse. Every light has its own signal that it sends out, uh -huh. and that's how fishers and mariners know that that's where they're at from the lighthouse, from the light signal during the night. Well, and I guess it's a very important job, especially back then where the navigation wasn't quite the same, right? Exactly. It's nothing like today where every boat almost has GPS, and uh, so lighthouses are becoming a little bit more every year, a little bit of a thing of the past, but they're definitely a big part of our culture here in Prince Edward Island. Nice. Okay, so that's the lighthouse. Let's talk about the uh, Lighthouse Inn now, or the West Point Lighthouse Inn. Uh, when did that open, and, and tell me some background on that. Sure. So in 1983, after it was abandoned for 20 years, mm -hmm. they decided that they needed to fix up the lighthouse and they needed revenue to be able to do that. And that's mm -hmm. when they came up with the concept, a local group called the West Point Development Corp. And they turned it into an inn and museum. And so they also had a restaurant here then at that point in time. So there was a few less rooms and they had the museum all throughout the lighthouse and a craft shop was out in the yard. So now, obviously, uh, let's run how many rooms you have. You have one room in the actual lighthouse itself, I understand, right? That is correct. So now, in 2010, we renovated. The restaurant isn't here anymore, but mm -hmm. we do have the museum still all throughout the lighthouse, and there's two rooms up in the lighthouse. Okay. One is called the Keeper's Quarters, and it's where the lighthouse keeper, William Anderson McDonald, lived. Benny happened to live at home on the farm, not down here. Just in the summer months, he'd come down for sure and stay overnight. Mm -hmm. And then the other room is called the Tower Room. It's our most popular room, and it books about six months in advance. I would think so. If you only got one tower room like that, everyone wants to stay there and... Well, well, the tower room, luckily enough, we're able to sell it every night, yeah. and if somebody doesn't come, there's usually a waiting list, I'm to be sure. quite honest, and people yeah. really want to sleep in the tower. It's got 14-foot ceilings. Uh, you're right in there, three windows looking out at the water to the west, uh, to the north, and to the south. And the other rooms are nothing to sneeze at either, because they're all facing the ocean, and it's just a beautiful view. That's correct. So this is where the best sunsets are in Prince Edward Island. We're right in the west, on the most western point, um, in West Point. And so we've got that view, and you're so close to the water. The waves lapping on the shore is what you hear every night as you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Well, give me a description of the West Point area itself. How far from Charlottetown? Uh, how long does it take to get here? And uh, something like that. So West Point is a little rural. We're a little out there. We're two hours from Charlottetown, mm -hmm. about an hour from Summerside. Those are the two major cities here in Prince Edward Island. Uh, 15 minutes away from O'Leary, which would be the local village or the local town. So we are right out there, but it's definitely, uh, that's what you got to come here for, relaxation, rest, and quietness. It is very quiet here and very nice. So now talk a little bit about the museum. How many rooms, by the way, of the other rooms? Yeah, there's 11 other rooms, so all total we have 13 rooms here. Oh, okay, so you, it sells out fast, so you, like you said, you want to make sure you book in advance, right? That's right. So anybody looking to come and stay here, make sure to call us during the winter in order to ensure that you get a room. There is another special room called Room 26. It's on the second floor seaside, and it's got two queen beds and an extra in-view window that where the sun sets every night, and oh, it nice. becomes like a living picture. Nice, very nice. Okay, let's talk about the museum now. Um, <clears throat> what kind of a museum is it, uh, and what would I see walking through there? So going through the museum, the first floor is the parlor, which is set up traditionally how it was when Willie was the keeper here. So mm -hmm. we got his wife's organ here that you can play songs on on Sunday evenings, just like they used to do. Mm -hmm. And then as you go up on the second floor, it gives a history of the harbor and the fishing village of West Point, because there is a lobster fishing port here. 
and then as the third floor you continue to climb up the 72 steps to the top it's got the history of lighthouses of prince edward island and the fourth floor there's equipment and the fifth floor is the viewing deck nice well then and this is the museum is actually the lighthouse now right that's what it's built to that's correct so the museum is placed all throughout the lighthouse do you have people coming just to visit the museum itself and not stay here Oh yeah, we're open daily all summer long, all season from 9 a.m. until 8.30 p.m. And mm. people can, there's a small admission fee and you can climb to the top and check out the museum all the way up. And there's a long beach walk too that you can do, I understand, just based by the view that you see. Yeah, so we are located within a provincial park called Cedar Dunes Provincial Park mm. and you can walk the beach in either direction for a very long distance, up to an hour in one way. Nice. Uh, you're only open seasonal though, right? That's correct. We open in the beginning of June and we're open till the end of September. When it comes to lighthouses and uh, historic buildings, there's always a ghost story attached. I'm sure there's probably one attached to this one, yeah? Oh, there sure is. Uh, Lighthouse Willie, our first keeper, he's never left the job even yet. Yeah, <laughs> they, they still say that he's around. We've had guests ever since 1983, 1984 when it opened up as an inn. Uh, for over 34 years now, we've had people that have had sightings and, and felt his presence and uh, heard him all throughout the building. So it is quite the haunted place. Google named it Top 10 Haunted Places in Canada. So he's all throughout the building or is he in a specific room would i find him more in the lighthouse itself or what i might see uh, old willie you definitely find him more in the lighthouse itself uh his second uh, floor room the keeper's quarters that's where he's been seen and felt the presence of the most but other people in the tower room and people who've climbed the tower even down here in the lobby you know his presence has been felt too so it's it is a little bit throughout the lighthouse but definitely a higher presence in the lighthouse itself everyone loves a ghost story that's great uh anything that uh, you'd like to add as the general manager um just come visit us if you ever can if you're ever in pei and looking for a place that's off the beaten path come check us out uh, the website, by the way, is westpointharmony.ca. Well, this week our podcast is all about our visit to Prince Edward Island last week. And one of our stops was at the Skamagan Point La Joie Fort Amherst National Historic Site. It's located in Rocky Point. It's just across the water from Charlottetown. And it's an area that dates back to the 1700s. And it was there that I learned the story of the Acadians. It was also where I met up with Ocel Dauphiné Matheson, Visitor Experience Manager for the Skamagan Point La Joie Fort Amherst National Historic Site. And here's that conversation now. So tell me about the site in general. I know like uh, when we talk about historic sites, this is a historic site. We're talking, I'm thinking, three, four hundred years ago that uh, this was being founded. That's right. So actually the, the site was founded in 1720 uh, by the French. Uh, so it was founded in 1720. A uh, small settlement was settled there. Uh, and uh, the idea was to uh, be the administrative capital of what was called at that time, PI was called, uh, Prince Edward Island was called Ile Saint-Jean, St. John's Island. So the idea was to have a, an administrative capital there and to uh, produce, uh, uh, grow uh, vegetables and produce and so on 
that could be sent to Lewisburg, actually, mm-hmm. which was the, the big uh, French uh, military uh, fortification in the area. So the idea was to be the breadbasket for, for, uh, for that fort. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that's not the only story. Let's talk about the name Skamakan. What does that mean? It has a, a historical uh, meaning as well, I understand. Absolutely. So Skamakan means is a Mi'kmaq. Uh, name place name uh, which means the waiting place uh, the reason uh, the reason for the, the for that name is that actually what uh, in the well, 1700s uh, between 1720 and 1758 the uh, French and the Mi'kmaq which were the first nations people of uh, in, in the Maritimes uh, and in Prince Edward Island um, would meet at uh, Par la Joie, mm-hmm. which was a French uh, uh, fort, they would meet pretty much every year uh, to renew their uh, alliance, their military and political alliance mm-hmm. against uh, the British. Uh, and so they would meet at uh, at this site and uh, they would have uh, festivities and celebrations and so on. Uh, what happened, though, and the reason why Waiting Place was, ch- was the, the name that they called it, is because oftentimes the Mi'kmaq chiefs who were traveling to uh, Paul Ajoie at the time would arrive uh, ahead of time or they would arrive arrive before the French officials did from Lewisburg. So they would often get caught in uh, storms or uh, other uh, other, uh, you know weather related events and so they were late arriving to the site so the Mi'kmaq chiefs would wait and hence (laughs) waiting place. Well it's an interesting story and now okay so we got uh, Skamakan we know that name Paul Ajoie for the French now, where does Fort Amherst come in uh, involved with this? Yeah, so it's it's a very interesting site where you've got the the three the three main cultural groups mm-hmm. uh, who have uh, who have been at this site and who have a historical tie to it. So the Mi'kmaq with the, the name Skamak and Paul Ajoie for uh, Paul which was the the French settlement, and then Fort Amherst, which was the the British fort that was built uh, in uh, after 1758. So from 1720 to 1758, it was a French uh, settlement. But in 1758, there was the uh, the deportation of over 3,000 French and Acadian speakers uh, by the British. So they, they deported them to various uh, parts of uh, of the world and forcibly removed them from the area. And the British at that time uh, decided to build a, a fort in the location of the old uh, settlement. So they actually destroyed the old settlement and built a fort, which would be named uh, Fort Amherst and would serve as the capital of St. John's Island, which is today Prince Edward Island, yeah. until 1768. Um, and when you go there, it's very interesting when you walk into the uh, main building, uh, there's a list of names that are there. So if you, if you have any sort of um, ancestry here, you can visit the site and go, hey, that's my name, and chances are your uh, lineology will, will go back into that time, right? That, that's correct. There is, uh, there is that, uh, that wall there with the, with the names of uh, uh, various uh, families, uh, mostly Acadian or French families, that were deported uh, from uh, from uh, the area. One one big family uh, that uh, that is still uh, very present here in Prince Edward Island uh, is the Gallant mm-hmm. family, which is a, if you if you if you've been to Prince Edward Island, you've probably run into some Gallants. <laughs> um, they're a fairly big family, and their their main ancestor was Michel Haché de Gallant, and he was from uh, he was uh, at uh, Paulage Fort Amherst. He was one of the main uh, one of the main settlers. There, one of the more prominent ones, and uh, all his descendants uh, descend from uh, today, uh, descend from him. So, a very important site for that family. So, now that's one aspect of visiting the park. Obviously, you can see some of the uh, the names that go back way into centuries. But there's also the uh, indigenous part of it, where you uh, really get a, a feel for the culture around there. 
Absolutely. So uh, uh, what's been interesting over the last two years, we've uh, we've worked closely with the Mi'kmaq Confederacy of Prince Edward Island uh, to deliver uh, Mi'kmaq interpretive uh, cultural programs at the site. So visitors really get uh, to uh, discover the, the, the Mi'kmaq culture and history uh, because it is, uh, you know, it's an important part of, uh, of that site and we want to really highlight it. Mm-hmm. And so over the last two years, uh, and you might have seen it yourself there, Randy, uh, the, the wigwam, yeah, uh, the we, birch bark wigwam. <laughs> we went inside. Yes. There you go. The birch bark wigwam which was built uh, at the site uh, last year uh, and uh, and is featured there uh, prominently and also uh, this year uh, the building of a birch bark mm-hmm. uh, canoe a traditional birch bark canoe which Todd our, our, uh, our friend uh, and artisan uh, Todd Labrador uh, from Nova Scotia is helping uh, Mi'kmaq uh, elders from Prince Edward Island build a traditional birch bark canoe yeah. at the site so they're currently doing that right now so, so what happens to the canoe after it's built are you going to actually use it or is it going to be on display How, what's happening with that we haven't fully decided what we're going to do with it. Really, the big thing with the, the project was to um, engage the community, engage the elders, transfer the knowledge, because these are this is very traditional uh, knowledge, and not many people know how to build a you know a, a birch bark canoe. So we really wanted to uh, share that knowledge, transfer it to the elders, and that's why also uh, over the next uh, few weeks here, we're, we're going to move the boat. We're going to take it to uh, First Nation communities across Prince Edward Island, and uh, engage the youth and the rest of the community in oh, nice. learning how to do how to build a birch bark canoe with the elders and Todd Labrador who mm-hmm. were there. Future though for the the canoe, I mean, we might uh, we might try it in the water. I'm sure we'll see <laughs> we'll see where things go. But that that's definitely something we'd be interested in. And um, you know, it's a joint project with the Mi'kmaq Confederacy, so we'll see where the the canoe is highlighted uh, down the road. But uh, certainly a, an interesting piece that we're doing there at the site. Uh, it's a, actually a, quite a large site. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at uh, some of the pamphlets here and and. Uh, uh, you have a map of the area. There's lots of trails. So uh, when you go there, be prepared to do a little bit of hiking, not necessarily you know strenuous, but uh, a leisurely kind of stroll through the park and some really nice uh, scenery and lookout points. You know, really, it's uh, you can you understand why uh, the French settled in that location and why the British eventually made it to um, uh, their uh, their capital mm. or their administrative center as well. It it is located beautiful view onto the Charlottetown Harbor, and you can see the city across the harbor. Um, and it's a strategic point because three uh, main rivers flow into that location. It's the, it's the, the neck of, that, of those, uh, or where those three rivers meet. So it's a very strategic place with beautiful views onto the Charlottetown Harbor and the Hillsborough River. Um, and really, when you're at the site, I mean, the views are spectacular. Uh, the history is great. There's interpretive panels uh, and all kinds of other ways to, to learn the history, the rich history of the site. Over six kilometers of trails. Mm-hmm. And like you said, not strenuous. It's very easy, you know, an easy pace. You get lots of walkers every day. And of course, our, our, uh, our Mi'kmaq interpretive program and so on. So there's lots to do at the site. Great great place for a picnic as well. And it's open all year round. Uh, give me some of the logistics of people, uh, you know, when they're going there, what they should know, some tips. Like you said, bring a lunch. You can have a picnic. Absolutely. <laughs> bring a lunch. Bring a picnic. It's uh, it, This is kind of off the beaten path. When you think of uh, places that uh, visitors typically go to, tourists typically go to in Prince Edward Island, this is the South Shore. Um, it's uh, it's off the beaten path there, uh, and uh, and so visitors went when you come. Of course, bring a, a good pair of uh, of walking shoes or hiking shoes. Uh, the the site is open year round, but the trails are only maintained uh, from June or May until October. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is open. Lots of people like to do uh, snowshoeing and so on. Uh, the visitor center is open July first until August. This year is a little later into September because of the canoe build. But the visitor center is open there, and the washroom. Uh, down in the parking lot are open uh, pretty much uh, 
June to uh, October. So it's uh, it's a great place to come visit and definitely invite you to come check it out if you're in Prince Edward Island. Well, it's certainly a great history lesson for any Canadian because you're going to learn a lot about how this country sort of started 300 and some odd years ago, right? Absolutely, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate you doing this. Well, one of the highlights of our tour to PEI last week was having lunch and visiting the Stompin' Tom Centre, the place where Stompin' Tom Connors grew up and went to school near Skinner's Pond, and that's where I sat for a few minutes with Ann Arsenault. She is the general manager and CEO of the Stompin' Tom Centre. She was a wealth of knowledge, so here's how that sounded. Okay, we are talking with Ann Arsenault. She's the general manager and CEO of the Stompin' Tom Centre. Here uh, on the, uh, I'm going to say the west side of Prince Edward Island. Anne, am I correct in my geography here? Yes, you're right. In Skinner's Pond, PEI. So where is Skinner's Pond, PEI, in relation to Charlottetown? It's about two hours uh, west of Charlottetown. And it's beautiful countryside because obviously we drove here today to uh, see part of the this part of the of the island and the Stompin' Tom Center. It was just newly opened, right? Yes, it opened January 1st uh, of uh, 2017, last year. Let's back it up and talk about uh, Tom himself. Was he born here or raised here? Uh, I always thought he was from Newfoundland, but I could be wrong. No, he's from St. John, New Brunswick, actually. Is where <laughs> so he, I was uh, wrong. <laughs> he was born there, and uh, he came here as a young boy. I think he was eight. Uh, he was uh, adopted to a family here in Skinner's Pond. So tell me about uh, just the general idea how this came to be and the story behind it then. Well, uh, the schoolhouse we're sitting in here actually is where he went to school when he was living in Skinner's Pond. Uh, and he uh, had a very fond, uh, lots of fond memories here from Skinner's Pond. So he actually bought this schoolhouse in the 70s and uh, he opened it to the public uh, with some help of uh, some community members here. They used to uh, uh, have his uh, records and CD, uh, not CDs at the time, mm. probably discs or whatever, um, and uh, little souvenirs. And But it was a big attraction. People loved to come to the schoolhouse for Stomp and Tom at the school at the time. Yeah, well, that's, and so you built the center around the school. Is that how that developed? Yes. Um, so the property next door, um, the house is actually the homestead where he lived while he was here and uh, where we built uh, we built a new center last year opened it on Canada today um, and that's on the property that was the farm here in Skinner's Pond. So uh, what would an average tour entail when people come here? Well the uh, the center itself has uh, there's live entertainment every afternoon from one till two and that's free mm -hmm. uh, for everyone to enjoy and then there is an exhibit space uh, um, attached to the gift shop which is also located all in the same building mm -hmm. and uh, we have a lot of uh, his artifacts uh, his gold and platinum records and and awards that he has won and, and things like that that have been uh, um, donated here by the family 
And uh, there's also a little recording booth where you can actually sing with Stomp and Tom and record <laughs> it. <laughs> and, uh, and then as well, we have the schoolhouse here that's been restored. And there's also uh, an exhibit uh, that's uh, an electronic exhibit that's in the schoolhouse mm-hmm. as well. So tell me a little bit about Tom himself, maybe some stories or just his background in general, other than you know, him growing up here and his career and what people uh, might learn when they're uh, here. Um, well, the, uh, the, the, a lot of the music, um, uh, we, we promote the music here and, and uh, we have dinner theatres. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been a huge hit. Uh, the first one, uh, which uh, we launched in uh, when we opened, was My Island Home. And it was based on the spirit of Stomp and Tom coming back to Skinner's Pond and appearing to a, to a class of, uh, of uh, students. Uh, so we, we actually ran it all this year as well. Um, it's been sold out every night. And uh, we, we had a second dinner theater uh, this year as well. It was called My Stompin' Grounds. <laughs> and that uh, was sold out every night as well that we played it. So uh, we had dinner theaters going um, up to four nights a week in, in the busy season. So. so how many people will be here during the busy season then? Uh, as far as visitors yeah. through the day? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they'd probably get... Well, the dinner theaters, uh, when they'd fill up, uh, would be about 124, I think that they would sit for the dinner theaters. But through the day, coming in uh, to enjoy the afternoon entertainment and the exhibits and gift shop and stuff, we'd probably see um, anywheres from five to seven hundreds. Wow. Yeah. So now, do you have to book in advance for the dinner theaters or just for the museum itself or just to come out here? Or can you just kind of go on a whim and hope? (laughs) Yes. Um, just the dinner theaters, yes, you have to book in advance because those uh, uh, would sell out. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just coming to the site, no, you, you don't need any reservations. You just show up and uh, the afternoon entertainment is there every day. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a nice time for people to come out. They order mm-hmm. their lunch yeah. and uh, they sit in for the entertainment. And the, the, uh, there is a bar there as well that serves, uh, you know, the local beers on tap and all that sort of thing. So it's a really nice environment. Yeah, it's a great way to spend the afternoon. Tell me a little bit more about the area of Skinner's Pond and, and the surrounding area. Uh, well, Skinner's Pond is just a, a small community right on the ocean here in Prince Edward Island. Beautiful beach. And uh, we are not far from the community of Tignish. Um, and uh, we have, there's lots of accommodations um, in that area, the Tignish Heritage Inn, Driftwood Country Cottages, um, and uh, North Cape as well is not that far. It's about 10, uh, 10 minutes away, and it's at the very tip of Prince Edward Island. Um, and it, it has a, a, a really nice restaurant, the Wind and Reef. Um, as well as the Wind Energy Interpretive Center, which is the only one in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, the, the reef there is actually the longest reef in North America. So uh, on low tide, you can walk out uh, you know, a mile and a half out onto really? the reef. Yeah. And 
these, uh, it, it is, it's a very uh, beautiful area. We, we, our tagline out there is nature and technology in, in perfect harmony. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool. That's where we came from. We stopped there on our way here. So is that a typical day tour that someone might be able to do from Charlottetown? They can drive up uh, around the coastline. They can do it in a day and still have time to stop here for lunch, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, most of the people that come here uh, are either on their way to North Cape or coming from North Cape. Um, and also, you know, we have the Potato Mu Museum in O'Leary, which is another big attraction uh, in the region. West Point Lighthouse mm -hmm. is another beautiful site. Um, you can actually go right up into the into the lighthouse, uh, right up to the top and to the lookout. So they have a little uh, museum there with artifacts from uh, from the lighthouse over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, was uh, What kind of a student was Stompin' Tom, do you know? <laughs> well... <laughs> If you if you attended the dinner theater, you'd find out that he he was in a fight the first day of school. <laughs> so apparently, his his new foster mom made him wear knicker knickerbockers, is what he called them, to school the first day, and the kids made fun of him, and he ended up in a fight before lunch. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who maybe not be familiar too much with uh, Stomp and Tom Connors, what kind of a person was he? And have you ever met him? Did you ever meet him? Yes, I did have the good fortune of meeting him on a number of occasions. Uh, when we were working on this project, uh, it was before he had passed. Uh, he was very excited about about the, everything that was going to happen here in Skinner's Pond. And I was very nervous to meet him <laughs> the first time. And... and uh, but he was a, a true gentleman and a real soft heart for Skinner's Pond. Um, and he's a true patriotic Canadian. Mm -hmm. He's very, very uh, strong uh, feelings about Canada. And, and that's reflected here in the site and in, in his dinner theatres and his music. Perfect. Yeah, Ann Arsenault is the general manager and CEO of Stompin' Tom Center. Uh, the website is stompin'tomcenter.com. You can find all the information there. I appreciate your time, Ann. Thank you. Thank you. And that is our podcast for this week. We want to thank the folks from Tourism PEI for all their hospitality. They did a tremendous job in showing us around the island. And if you want more info on all the places to see and visit, their website is tourismpei.com. And if you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And feel free to drop me a line as well. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, where you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.